Hey, let me just take a second and talk to those of you online, all right? So thank you, thank you, thank you for checking in with us. And whatever day this is for you or evening this is, we're just glad you're connecting with us. Uh, I want to say this. We are starting another service on Sundays. And so when you're ready to come back and worship with us in person, you know, of course, we got Thursday night, 6.30, Sunday morning at 9. And now we also added 10.45 back starting this weekend, which is really cool. And I also wanted to add this uh, just for you online. We are upgrading right now in the process, upgrading some of our equipment so that we can do a much better job um, online and uh, helping you feel like you're a part of what's going on here at Community. Because I know for some of you, uh, seriously, it's like you, you want to be here, but you just can't for a number of reasons. So we want to make sure we're coming to you with quality. And so we're working on some stuff specifically for you too. So anyway, that's what's going on. Uh, for all of us, I just want to say this. Thursday night is kind of a fun experiment time. And so we had this great experiment and now there's this massive gap between me and all of you. It feels a little weird right now. So I know, you know, watching on your TV or your phone, you're like, you're really close to me, but uh, these people are really super far away. So we'll, we'll figure this out. It's a, it's a great experiment though. But now I feel like, thank you guys for being so close. You are my friends and you have orange pants on. So that's cool, right? So here's what I wanna do. I wanna talk a little bit uh, about some stuff that's happening that I'm really excited about. So like I said, we we're gonna add our 1045 service back. Uh, Sundays have been ridiculous in here, literally packed, 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 way beyond what we are supposed to do right now. So that's why we're gonna add that to the service. Next week though, and I'm so excited about this. Next week, we're gonna do a baptism weekend. And uh, I know for a lot of people, yeah, for a lot of people who've already done that, you're just, you're going to come ready to just party and celebrate and cheer everybody on. For those of you, maybe you've never made that. You've never taken that plunge. You've never done that. Maybe you don't understand it fully. Believe me, we're going to explain it all next week. And then if, even if you came and you weren't even ready, you're like, I don't know, but you, you got here and you heard it and you're like, I want to do that. We're going to have shorts, t-shirts, towels, the whole thing. And we're going to do that. I want to add this. All right. I'm watching stuff too. And there's a chance that next week, they're going to shove everyone in Riverside County back outside. But next week, because it's baptism week, we'll be in here no matter what. Okay, so just no matter what, this is more important for us right now. We're doing our best with masks and distance and space. Oh, we've seriously spaced out this week. Nobody wants to get spit on. So this is all true. But next week is baptism weekend. And we're going to we're going to just celebrate with some people who are stepping across that line of faith. And uh, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. All right. So every week I've given you a meme of, of 2020. And I don't know about you. And I'm a summer person. I love warm weather, but I'm kind of over it now. Right. We're in the middle of October, people. It should not be hitting 100 degrees still, but it has been. And so I'm looking forward to colder days. And so I wanted to, I wanted to get a meme that really reflected what we want. Right. We want some snow. And if 2020 was a snowman, here you go. Yeah, that is one nasty, angry, dirty snowman. Right. And that's kind of what 2020 has felt like. Even the snowmen are out to get us. That's what it feels like this year. So here's what I want to do this week. Uh, we are in this series called 2020 Vision. We're not talking about our physical eyesight. We're talking about spiritually being able to see in the midst of a year that is so weird, like 2020, we're in the midst of trying to figure out, you know, what, what does God want and what's God up to and what can God do in my life? More importantly, what can God do through my life? And so I, I want to be open to that. I want him to use me in this way. And so we've talked about a number of different, just kind of almost like random subjects, but these are big questions that people people ask when life is kind of in turmoil. And uh, this week is, is the haves and the have-nots. We're going to talk about financial stuff. We're going to talk about just some of the pressure and the stress and the anxiety that so many people have been under. 
And before I get into this, I want you to finish a sentence with me. I want you to finish it out loud. I'm going to get all the way to the last word, and you're going to say the last word. But this is probably a sentence you have heard at least a dozen times. If, if me, I've probably heard it dozens of times since last March 15th, all right, since the shutdown. I've heard this. I can't wait till things get back to normal. And I started saying this back in April. I don't know if I want to go back to normal. We have to, we have to really pay attention to what normal is in our culture today. And so let me give you some stats on normal. Okay, here we go. The average American household right now is $8,398 in debt on their credit cards alone, not counting car payments, not counting school loans, not counting, you know, a house, nothing. Just, just credit card, $8,398 in debt on credit cards. Fortunately, in California, we can do better than that. The average Californian household is 10,496. I just checked these today. $10,496 in debt just on their credit cards alone. Now, if you get one of those credit card payoff calculators and you figure it out with your monthly payment, just the minimum monthly payment, and the average rate is somewhere between 18.9% and 21 point something percent, and you do the math and figure it all out, it's going to take years and years and years and years to pay that off. And by the way, by the time you're doing paying off, you're going to be spending well more than $20,000 just to pay it off. So they're $10,000 in debt plus, and this is the crazy thing, 53% of Americans are making only the minimum monthly payment. Meaning more than half of Americans are this far into debt and they're going to be this far into debt for decades to come. And it's not going to get any better. I don't want to depress you or anything. I'm just going to show you this is normal, right? The average student loan right now for Americans is $37,000 plus. This one shocked me. 77 million Americans. This is normal, okay? I just can't wait till it gets back to normal. This is normal. 77 million Americans right now are dealing with creditors. They're in bill collection. 77 million Americans. And this one, this was normal, but this is scary. In America, 40% of Americans, so that's four out of 10. You don't even have to be a math whiz to get how significant this is. Almost half, okay? So 40% of American adults would have to sell possessions or borrow money, get this, to cover a $400 expense. 40% of Americans would have to borrow money or sell something just to pay $400. Like a, uh, something happened to their car. They had to go to the hospital. Something, $400. They'd have to get help just to cover that. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, that's me. And you got bill collectors. And you got credit cards. And you got a stu student loan. You got a house payment. You got car payments. You got, you got all this stuff. And it's just adding up. And the, and the pressure and the stress of what people go through week in and week out, day in and day out. It's like, it's horrible, but, but that's normal. Do we really want to go back to normal? I hope not. I hope not. And hopefully there's a way out. Now, I've told you before, I'm not a big fan of Dear John letters. My name is John, and I do get those occasionally. And it just sounds weird when I start reading one. 
So a lot of people are, are, are sensitive to that and they just write John or hi, John, or hey, dude, or whatever. That's how they start an email to me now. But uh, I came across one. It wasn't written to me, but it's a Dear John letter. Listen to this. Dear John, I've been unable to sleep since I called off our engagement. Won't you please forgive me? Your absence is breaking my heart. I was a fool. Nobody can take your place. I really love you with all my heart, Melinda. P.S. Congratulations on winning this week's lottery. <laughs> See, there's, there's a quick fix out of normal. There's a quick fix out of the pain and the stress and the anxiety of all the financial pressure we're in. But quick fixes, they just, they just don't happen, right? So what do we know about 2020? 2020 has brought to us an unbelievable array of unpredictable circumstances. So maybe, maybe if you're paying attention in into January, into February, first part of March, you're like, man, this this thing, I've, I've been hearing about this stuff. It's come out of China. People are getting sick. You, you maybe started hearing about it. But even then, like no nobody is predicting that we're going to be on lockdown for months and months and months and months. In fact, when this thing first happened in March, you know, we, we got the news. We shut down. We went fully online that very first weekend. And we were fully online for a couple of months before we started opening back up uh, the very end of May, 1st of June. And even then, I'm talking to pastors all around the country. And we're like, man, it, it could be like this for six, eight weeks. I mean, if everybody just locks down and everybody's, we get through this thing, it, it, it could take, I know, I know I'm talking crazy here. It could be two months, Right. We had no idea how long this thing was going to go. And so 2020 has offered us ample opportunity to be frustrated because we can't figure out how long this stuff's going to take. We can't figure out what's going to happen next. We can't figure everything out. And so what I want to do today is I want to kind of address the issue. And that's this. What would have been like before 2020 if we would have put biblical principles into our life? And by the way, it's not too late to start now. Because we can't predict what's going to happen in 2021. Remember one of our memes that we started with in this series, if you've been with us the whole time, one of the memes was, what if 2020 is just a trailer for 2021? You know, we don't know what's going to happen next year. We're hoping that when 2020 is over, it's over. I've heard people say as soon as the election's over, it's over. I got a feeling this, this is going to go on for a while. We don't know what next year is going to be like. And if it's not this, it might be something else, right? We don't know, but we need to make sure that we're doing some things and paying attention to what God has to say. But here's the cool thing. Jeremy was bragging about our church. Let me brag on a couple of things. I've had some really great conversations with people in the midst of all this. Uh, one, one um, more than one, actually. I talked to people who in their family both had lost their jobs back in like April, May. And uh, in talking to them, they were asking for prayer. But you could tell there was, there was a peace. There wasn't anxiety. There wasn't worry. There wasn't concern. It was like, and you know why? Because they had savings. And they were able to bridge the gap until other jobs came into place and some other things happened. And so they're like, you know what? Because we've been paying attention to what God says, we've been putting some money aside. When this happened, we didn't panic. It's like, hey, we got savings. We can bridge this gap, whatever it's going to be. And I watch people work through that without all the anxiety that I've seen other people deal with. Uh, another couple in our church emailed me. This is probably mid-April, late April. 
And they said, you know, one of the blessings about what's going on right now is that we, neither one of us lost our jobs, but we're both working at home. So that, that could be a blessing. Or like we talked about a couple of weeks ago for marriages, maybe that wasn't a good thing. I don't know. But I mean, in their case, it was a good thing. They're both at home and they're working. And they said, we're literally saving hundreds of dollars every month, not commuting to work. We're working remotely. We're saving hundreds of dollars. And this is what they said in their email. We want to give the church the difference right now. Because we know some people are going to be hurting and we want to make sure we're able to provide. So here's people in the midst of this whole thing because they understand what God's up to in their life. It's like, even though we don't know what's happening around us, like, hey, God's still good. They had already kind of applied these principles in their life. And now something happens. And instead of going, oh, no, look, we're we're stuck at home. We better hoard everything to make sure because we don't know what's going to happen next. They just said, you know what? God's blessing. Let's bless some other people with the extra. So beyond their tie, they were giving hundreds more that they would have been spending on gas. They're saying, you know what? We weren't expecting it anyway, so let's give it away. How cool is that? That's what people at community are like. When, uh, when things happen that create uncertainty, uh, one, one word I think is very consuming, and that's the word worry. And I see people do it. You know, and I admit there's, there's times like I'll worry about stuff like, oh, and then I kind of catch myself. I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of stupid. And maybe you're like, worry stupid? Well, yeah, according to the Bible, it is. I want you to write this down, okay? Matthew chapter six. You can read the whole chapter, about halfway through to the end of the chapter, about 19 to 34, somewhere in there, Jesus talks about worry. And this is what I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell. So you don't, you, you should read the whole thing, but I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell. This is what he says. Don't worry. That's it. That's what he says. And he says it over and over and over and over and over. And he gives different pictures of it. He goes, you're worried about what to wear. Hey, God's going to take care of the flowers. He's going to take care of you. You're worried about what to eat. God takes care of the birds. He's going to take care of you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. And then he comes to verse 33 and he says, but now I want you to see this. Matthew 6, 33. Let's throw it up on the screen here. He says, but, okay, so instead of worrying, this is what we're going to do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Okay, so instead of worry, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He says this, and all these things. What are all the things? If you read the whole thing, it's like, where am I going to live? What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? Because all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying, don't worry, trust. Don't worry. Lean into me. Don't worry. I got this. And our response when the world flips upside down and nobody knows what's going on is typical to, to, for, for us to worry. He says, don't worry. Just, just run to me. Seek me first. And that's, that's the overarching thing I want you to get. We're going to come back to that verse at the very end. I'm going to show you a few other verses as we go as well. But I want you to get that. And I want you to know this. When we're talking about the haves and the have-nots, especially in, the, in America today, you know there's this, there's this growing gap between the haves and the have-nots, right? Seems like the rich get richer, the poor get poor, the gap just seems to grow, the middle class seems to be going away, either people are going this way, that that gap is, is you know what, it has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. In fact, this is what I want you to get. When it comes to finances, when it comes to money, when it comes to all this stuff, here's, here's the question that is the wrong question. Okay, the wrong question is, how much do I have? I know people who are happy with very little. I know people who are happy with a lot. 
I know people who are stressed out with a little. I know people who are stressed out. The question is not how much do I have? Here's the question. Am I faithful with what I have? Am I faithful with what I have? Am I honoring God with what I have? Now, here's the cool thing. What we're going to talk about literally applies to you if you're in high school and you have a part-time job, or it applies to you if you're the CEO of a major corporation. It, it applies. To, it doesn't matter how much you have. It's just, are you faithful with what you have? And so what I want to do is I want you to write a few things down. This is going to be super simple, super simple stuff. But I thought in 2020, when it comes to having this 2020 vision, we need to talk about some financial things because that's been a huge topic of conversations in households all across the country. And usually those conversations are laced with worry and, and concern and frustration. I want to make sure we have a better perspective here. Even when we're not outside, I have motorcycles and cars interrupt me. If you're at home, you probably couldn't hear that, but we had a nice one go by. Number one, if you're going to write this down, develop a plan. This is the wisdom of God's word. Develop a plan. By the way, the, the Greek word, I, I know some of you are totally geeking out when you get into the, the, the original word and the Aramaic and the Greek and the Hebrew. The Greek word for plan is budget. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. It's not. But that's what we're really talking about. When we talk about plan here, we're talking about budget. And I really like something Rick Warren says. Listen to this carefully. He says, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of asking where it went. A budget is just telling your money where to go. You're like, you're in charge of this thing. And so that brings me in, in developing a plan uh, to the very first thing you got to do. If you've never done this, I want to encourage you to do this. By the way, in November, we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about debt and, and savings and all the financials that we, we talk about it every November. It's just Jesus talked a lot about it. We, we talk about it once a year, but we're going to talk about it a little bit right now too. And here, here's the idea I want you to get. The first thing you need to do, if you've never done this before, is start writing down every penny you spend. So like you, you probably, if you've never done a budget before, you're going to say, okay, I'll, how much is my rent or my house payment? How much is my car payment or whatever? I should start, how much are my utilities? How much do I spend on my phone? Blah, 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 right? But I'm literally going to say, I want you to write down everything for 30 days. And you can do this on a piece of paper. You have a little notebook with you. You can do it on your phone, on your notes app or something like that. Just have a category there, everything I spend. So you run into 7-Eleven and you get a big gulp. I mean, how much are those now? I've not had a big gold for years. I don't know. Two bucks. Really? Back when I had one, I think it was like 79 cents. Man, I'm old, right? So, but, but big gulps back when I was younger, they were only like 12 ounces. Now they're like a thousand ounces, right? So two bucks. Okay. So you go in there, let's say it's 203 with tax. I have no idea. Okay. But in your, in your little notes thing, you're going to write down big gulp 203. I mean, literally write everything down. And then you're going to go buy Starbucks and you're going to say, okay, that was $4.95. Write that down. Went by Burger King. I got two Whoppers and fries and a drink. They had a special right now. It was $7.50. I'm making numbers up because I have no idea how much this stuff costs. But you're writing it down. Everything, you write it down. I was going to say, and you go to the movies. But I don't, are, they, are they back open now? Some of them are open? All right. So hopefully they're not charging you $1,000 for popcorn to make up for the money they've lost the last several months. But you know, back, back to normal, it'd be like $500 for popcorn. So whatever you spend, like you write everything for 30 days. Now, by the way, if, you, if you're, if you're married, you both do it. And here, let me just, let me just tell you this right now. It doesn't help you 
if you're not completely honest. It's like, I don't want my wife to know I spent this much money on car parts this month. You're in this together, aren't you? Let's do this together. So everything goes down on the ledger. Everything goes down. And then you share that. And then, so that's the first thing. You're gonna, as you're making a plan, you're going to start looking at what we're doing. But in the meantime, I want you to be doing this because it's going to help get real clear so that you're not saying at the end of 30 days, where'd the money go? I don't know. Have you ever, raise your hand if you've ever said that. Where, where did it go? I just got paid yesterday. <laughs> where did it go? So Boba, so where to go? Where I go? My money's gone. It's like I've only had it for one day. What what happened to it? So instead of wondering where it went, you're going to know. And as we do work on this plan, you're going to learn how to tell your money where to go because you're going to have some purpose in all this. Now listen to the proverbs, and there's tons of verses. If you never read through the proverbs, just read through it. You're going to pick up tons of wisdom on money stuff. But Proverbs twenty one five says this: the plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. So we're going to have a plan. And we're going to be diligent with that plan. And and it's going to help us get through some stuff. Um, The great theologian Mike Tyson once said, everyone has a plan until what? Remember that one? Until they get punched in the face. So I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a plan and then something's going to happen. Yeah, we have a plan and then 2020 happens. We have a plan and then somebody gets sick. We have a plan and then somebody loses a job. We have a plan. So, but, but having a plan is going to help in so many different ways. Well, let me give you some more help. Um, there's an app. You can go on the computer and find this or you can go on the app and find this. It's called EveryDollar. EveryDollar.com. So show them, show them this. This is the screenshot from a computer. EveryDollar. Um, and the way you get there, show them the next one, just everydollar.com. That's, that's what you're going to find, okay? Everydollar.com. If you go on your phone on the app, just look up everydollar, uh, Dave Ramsey, everydollar budgeting. It comes from the Ramsey's organization. It's free, and you can start inputting all your budget information in there and work on it. And it's, and it's free, but it's a great resource to help you know. And by the way, one of the things it does is it shows you the percentages of stuff. They're like, I didn't realize we're spending 80% of my money on food. That's a little high, I think, right? 80%, right? So let's figure that out. And that, that's going to be a help and a guide to you and all that. Um, the plan, the plan that we're developing is going to require something of you. But, but here's what you're going to say to yourself when you begin to resist and you begin to push back. You say, I don't want to show my wife all this stuff. Or I don't even, I don't even want to know where all the money goes. It just, it's too uncomfortable. Like as soon as you start feeling that way, just lean right back into it and say, yeah, but right, I want to honor God with my life. And I don't want this stuff to be in control. It's, it's, by the way, it's not wrong to have stuff. It's just wrong for your stuff to have you. And that's where so many Americans find themselves. Their stuff is in control of them. So what does the plan look like? Let me give you a quote first. Here's the quote. A budget is a discipleship issue and not a financial issue. Maybe you've never thought about it this way. You separate like finances are over there, uh, jobs over here, families over here, churches over there. It's like they're all different categories. Guys operate that way. We like to operate in little categories and everything's kind of separated. You ladies are all messy. Everything connects and your stories all go together and we don't know what you're talking about. We talked about that a couple weeks ago too. So here's the idea. We tend to like separate these things, but he says, no, here's the idea. Finances is actually a spiritual thing, and and having this plan is actually a discipleship thing. So let's just talk about the age-old plan that 
financial advisors for years and years and years have talked about. It's called the 10-10-80 plan. Okay, 10-10-80. The first 10% of my income, I'm going to make sure that God gets that. And I don't even have time to go into this this week. There's so much there. There's so much that God says about this. And one of the things it says is the reason that we're told and God tells us and leads us to tithe is that we are putting him first. What did our verse read earlier? Seek first. Putting him first. By the way, the reason he says to do it first, because it shows that we trust. If we wait to the end of the month, that's not first. That's called leftovers. Like first honors him. Leftovers don't honor him. The leftovers are just that. They're just leftovers. I've, I've done everything I wanted to do. Oh, and by the way, God, thanks. Here's a five for you. You know, we just like throw something his way at the end of the month and we feel good about it. But the reality is, no, the 10, 10, 80 plan is like, I, he comes first. He has to come first. He needs to come first. And so if you're not there yet, I'm going to just say, just do something. Start doing something and do something regularly and do something faithfully. You know, base it off of a percentage and just say, you know what? Every time I get paid, God's going to be the first thing I do. My wife and I have been doing this for years. And we, the first thing we do, like I do it through push pay. But it's like as soon as I get paid, I go through push pay. And I do it. a lot of my friends actually do it on reoccurring. But my, my wife is a substitute teacher right now. She's a virtual sub because everything's online. When they, when they hired her for that particular role, I said, hey, I got one question. Is your check virtual? So we made sure it wasn't. It's real. So her check changes every month. And so when, when that comes, then I, then I give. But a lot of my friends have the same thing all the time. And so they just set it up as reoccurring. And it may sound like impersonal or something, but no, we, we do that with the stuff that's important to us. We, we make it a priority. And so we, we put him first. I just, that's all I'm going to say about that. The second 10 is for savings. And this is like long-term. I'm not going to touch the savings. This isn't, I'm saving for a new TV. <laughs> that's, that's a different savings. This is like long-term. I'm not going to touch this. I'm preparing for retirement. I'm preparing for emergencies. I'm preparing for the next 2020. Whatever happens, I'm going to be ready for that. I'm going to have some money set aside. By the way, there's all, all kinds of stuff in the Bible about this. Now, the Bible also talks about the difference between saving and hoarding. Good, not good, right? And so there is, a, there is a wisdom to saving. And so that's why these financial counselors talk about this, like this 10, 10, 80 thing. We, we pay God first, we pay ourselves second, and then we live on the 80. Okay? We pay God first, we pay ourselves second, getting ready for whatever could happen, and then and then we live on the 80. And here's a better way to say that. We honor God with the rest. We honor God with all of it. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. The answer is yes to all of them. You're welcome. So I'm going to ask you the question. I want to hear the answer. The answer is what? Yes, the answer is yes. Okay, here we go. Does it honor God to provide for your family? Thank you. Somebody over here is totally into this. And you, this side over here just wimps. I want to hear from this side too. Here we go. Does it honor God to pay your bills on time? Does it honor God when you are generous? Does it honor God when you view your stuff as his stuff? Am I good looking? <laughs> Some of you are like, I cannot go there. Dude, come on, man. We're in church. I'm supposed to be honest. By the way, parents, you, you can teach your kids, not, not what I just did. You can teach your kids these principles. 
We did this with our girls when they were little. We had three different envelopes. They had their own little financial notebook and they had envelopes in there. And so they would get their allowance and the first 10% went in the God envelope and they would bring that to church with them. And the second one went into savings they're not allowed to touch. And like once a month or so, we would take some of that and we put it in the savings for them so they couldn't touch it. And then the rest, that's what they could use for their other stuff. You know, going to the movies with their friends or buying something or whatever, right? So you can begin to teach these principles to your kids. And by the way, it's way easier to tithe when you have a part-time job and you're in high school than when you're the CEO of a company. You want to guess why? A tithe is a lot more money. In fact, typical American Christians, here's what happens. They give more. You ready for this? They give more if they live below the poverty line. Percentagely, they give more. The wealthier we get, the stingier we get with God. Even though we, we, we should understand that God is the one that gives us the ability to make wealth. It's like the, the more money we make, the less percentagely we give. One of my favorite jokes. I don't know if this was a true story or not, but I, I've always heard it as a joke. A guy came up to the pastor after he was talking about money stuff. And he says, pastor, you know, I used to tithe. I, I used to. And he goes, I make so much money now. It's like, it, I, I just can't, I can't make myself do it. Would you pray with me? The pastor goes, absolutely. Let's pray. And so I say his name's Bill. He says, Bill, God, would you please lower Bill's income to where he could tithe again? And the guy's like, no, 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 no. Well, you just, you just told me what the problem was, right? If we learn these principles when we're young, it's going to be way easier to, to just continue and, and follow through. So teach these to your kids now. By the way, a 10-10-80 plan is a long-haul plan. It's not a shortcut plan. It's a long-haul plan. You're going to learn these things and develop this budget and stick to it and work with it. It's a plan that you're going to work with but you're not going to cut corners. Listen to Proverbs 13, 11. Listen to this. Wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. This isn't going to be easy. It's not a quick fix. It's not like, it's not like you just win the lottery one day and all of a sudden everything's taken care of. It's like, this is, this is the long haul. We're going to develop a plan. And number two, we're going to stick to the plan. Now, developing the plan is the easy part. Can I just tell you that now? It's, it's some of you like this kind of stuff. You get out paper, different colored pencils. You got a plan. It's like, this is the budget stuff. And this stuff is taking care of the house. We're going to make that all blue. And this is the car stuff. We're going to make that all green. Oh, developing the plan is just like, oh, it's so much fun. And you got like Cincy going on over here. Everything smells good. It's craziness. And then what happens in two months? I'm going to tell you, it's a budget wrecker in two months. You know what it is? Christmas. So I'm going to, I'm giving you a heads up now. We're still in the middle of October. Can I just give you a heads up now? Don't go into debt to do Christmas. Some of you are still paying for Christmas on your credit cards. I don't mean last Christmas. I mean Christmas from four years ago. Don't, just don't go there. Start now, get the plan now, and then stick to the plan. Remember Romans 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 2, anybody? It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to what is normal. Do it a different way. God has some better ideas for us. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Why would I read that verse when I'm talking about this? 
Because if you're going to stick to the plan, some people around you are going to think you're wacko. You're weird. You're a loser. Why won't you go with us? We're, we're all just going to chip in. Why won't you just, just charge it? It's no big deal. You can pay it off in 2030, whatever. It's like, that's what everybody else is doing. And you're not doing it. You're going to be weird. I'm just going to say, well, do you think more about what they think about? Or, or do you think more about what God thinks about you? From the catalog of dumbest criminals comes this story. Guy goes into a quick stop, 7-Eleven kind of a store, and he puts $20 on, on the counter, and he says, I need some change. And so the owner opens the, the drawer and immediately pulls out a gun, and he says, give me all the change in your drawer. So they do, and he runs out of there, leaving his 20 on the counter. Later, they caught him, and they caught him with all the cash, mm. $15. So armed robbery, he lost $5 and got arrested. That's a bad day, right? That's a bad day. But that's how stupid we look. If we just go along with the crowd and conform to what everybody else says is normal and we don't pay attention to what the wisdom of God says. Now, we're going to go a little bit deeper into this Deuteronomy chapter 5. Verses 32 and 33 says this. He's talking to the nation of Israel, but listen to what he says. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or the left. We're going to stick to the plan. We're going to be obedient. Verse 33, walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. That, that's one promise that he gives them as the nation of Israel back there in Deuteronomy 5. But similar promises all throughout the Bible. If you'll just do what I say, it's going to be better for you. Don't, don't follow the world. Follow me. That's what God's saying. Don't conform to them. Don't be normal like them. Follow me. This week on my 62nd things, we're going through the book of James. And in James 1.22, it says, don't just listen to the word, but anybody know? Do what it says. I'm convinced that most American Christians know way more about the Bible than they actually obey. And they're like, where's the next Bible study? Where's the next Bible study? And we need the Bible studies and we need to do them in relationship with other people, but we need to obey, right? That's what he's telling us to do. Let me give you three things. And pride is the key to all these three things in the middle of this that's going to keep you from following through with the plan, keep you from sticking with the plan. Here's the first one. Pride keeps you from admitting you have a problem. This applies to more than just a financial area. Would you agree with that? Like pride keeps us from admitting we have a problem. We, we may think that we're normal, but deep down the anxiety, the stress, all this, we know there's got to be a better way. And there is. But pride keeps us from just admitting that, yeah, we've got some issues and we need some help. By the way, pride is what's going to derail our, our plan. Because they just came out with a new model of the car that I have. And the bells and whistles are so much better. And the new lines are so much cleaner. Oh, yeah. And it's pride that makes me buy a car that I can't afford. And it's pride that makes me purchase clothes that I don't even need. And it's pride that makes me go on trips that plunge me further into debt just because my friends are going on those trips. And they may or may not be able to afford them. But I know I can't, but I go anyway. Pride does that kind of stuff. Number two, pride keeps you from saying no. 
You know, in order to say yes to some things, I have to say no to some other things. But pride keeps me from saying no. In fact, pride is the very thing that keeps me from saying no to another credit card. I don't know if you remember this. Um, you know, they, they, they've gotten much better at it. But even when I was a young adult, I remember getting in the mail a letter from a company that said I, I was approved and I could have a credit card. And I was just like, man, I am a grown-up. I don't know what I was. I, I don't remember 20, 22, somewhere in there. I was probably still in college. I get this thing. I can, I can, have, I, I'm a grown up, right? Sad thing is, um, 18 year olds start getting those right away. And because parents haven't taught them the dangers of this stuff. I've talked to young couples ready to get married. They're 23, 24 years old, and they're already $40,000 in debt. Not counting school, just credit cards. So we've got to say no to some stuff in order to say yes to stuff that's better. And the third thing is pride keeps you from being prudent. Prudent is not a word we use a lot. It just means like wise, like doing the right thing. And it's hard to keep up with the Joneses when we're, when we're really prudent and wise and smart and dealing with the stuff that God has blessed us with as good managers. You know, like, like the prudent asks this question, what's the wise thing to do? I heard, a, I heard a whole message one time by Andy Stanley. I don't know if you ever listened to him. He's an amazing pastor. He did a whole message based on that question. What's the wise thing to do? And I'm going to tell you right now, if you'll force yourself to ask that question more often, you will be in less trouble and you will undergo less stress by doing the wise thing, right? The value of the right plan and sticking to it is that it, it can't predict what's going to happen, but it can prepare you for anything that happens. Hey, like I said earlier, we, we have people in our church who, because they were doing some of these things before 2020 hit, when 2020 hit and jobs are, you know, leaving and financial things are up in the air, it's like they weren't stressed about it. They were prepared for, for whatever happened. Storms are going to come, right? So pride is going to keep us from being prudent. We, we need to ask that question. What is the wise thing to do? Not as, what are my friends doing? my friends may be just as stressed and just as anxious and just as messed up as I am financially. So I got I to gotta ask, what's the wise thing? Let's go back to our, our main notes here. Third thing. So we're going to develop a plan. We're going to stick to the plan. And the last thing, we're going to finish strong. We're going to finish strong. Here's a little phrase we, we've used over and over and over through the years. Obedience, then blessing. Obedience, then blessing. Obedience, then blessing. Now, I, don't, I don't get to the blessing side of that until there's obedience and I follow through with that and I finish strong. 2 Timothy 4, 7 is a famous verse about the Apostle Paul and he says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's like looking at the end of his life and he's in prison. He knows he's going to be executed. He's like, you know, I, I can say it now. I, I, I did a good job. I, I gave it my all. I finished strong. And I want you to be able to say that too. I want to be able to say that someday. I finished strong. I want to hear from God when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a long haul kind of a thing. That's over the course of our life that we serve him, we honor him. I'm going to show you a video, just a quick one minute thing. Comes from the 1992 Olympics and the guy's name is Derek Redmond. He uh, had a hamstring injury during his race and watch what happens. And now the pain too much. 
applause swelling throughout Olympic Stadium as Redman, with assistance this time, approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach. I want, I want you to see that for a couple of reasons. I want you to see that first of all, because in order for us to finish, we, we are gonna experience pain. It's not gonna always be easy. It's not gonna go like we have planned. There's, there's gonna be some bumps in the road, it's gonna hurt. But I want you to finish strong. But the real reason I want you to see that, because I just love that dad. You know, I didn't get to show you the whole thing. The dad was actually up in the stands and his son's laying on the track at one point and he comes running down and, and he gets there and he's, he's basically asking his son, what do you want to do? And his son's like, I want to finish. And so the dad picks him up, starts walking with him. And you see that one official come over, you're not supposed to do that. And the dad's like, get out of here. I'm walking with my son to the finish. Like, get, get. I love that. I love that. But I watched that like 20 times a day. Get out of here. You know what? You got a, you got a father like that. He's going to help you finish. You just got to follow him. Lean on him. Trust him. Seek him first. Here's our verse one more time. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. Amazing to us. Everything that you've done for us, how much you've given. The cross, the sacrifice. We just say thank you. And God, it could be that some of us are sitting here and we've been following your plan and, and working these things and we're just nodding our head like, yes, yes, yes. But others may be just sitting here like, man, I'm messed up and I need help and I'm in trouble. I just pray, God, that you, that you just speak to them right now. Just let them know that you love them and you want better for them. They just need to follow you. Even in this area, it's not a separate category. God, may we all be the people that honor you with our life in every area. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, if you want somebody to pray with, make your way up here. We'll have some people meet you. Just don't step on these light bulbs and uh, ice creams out there. Love you guys.